0: Great. You've accepted? Mm -hmm. And we're all set? Mm -hmm. Excellent. Welcome everyone to another episode of Genuine Conversations. I'm super excited to introduce today's guest. And before I do that, I want to remind us that this is an episode, this is a podcast (laughs) for shattering our limiting beliefs and living an empowered life. Please join me in welcoming today's guest, Tina Baxter. Welcome, Tina.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having me.
0: You're most welcome. It's my pleasure. I had the pleasure of meeting you recently and sharing a genuine conversation with you. And it was through that conversation that I heard about your story of transformation. As a woman's empowerment coach, I too help women transform their lives from the inside out. And I knew that your story would really resonate with my listeners. And so without any further ado, Tina, I'd love to jump in and ask you to share a little bit about yourself and your journey.
1: Okay, well, thank you. Well, um, I am a nurse practitioner. My specialty is geriatrics, and my subspecialty is geropsychiatry. But I'm also a, a legal nurse consultant, and I help attorneys with their uh, cases. But to understand how I got there, you have to understand a little bit about my background. So my uh, family has a lot of doctors, a lot of nurses in their family, a lot of medical professionals. And growing up, my dream was to become a physician. That was my dream all the way up to college when I got to my pre-med classes and my, my biology. I, had a, a, I have a degree in biology And I realized that what I thought I wanted to do, I didn't really want to do. Mm -hmm. I wanted more time to be with the patient. I wanted to understand where, where they were, how did they get there and what change can we make in their life so that they don't have to come in and be sick anymore. Mm -hmm. And I realized that, um, being a physician wasn't, my calling. My calling was actually to become a nurse. And so a lot of people don't understand that, yes, I chose nursing over medicine. And that was for a reason. It had nothing to do with the fact, you know, of getting into medical school because I actually sat for the MCAT twice (laughs) and was prepared. And I just could not submit that application because I realized I didn't want to live the life that a lot of my physician uh, family members lived. I, I spent time with my cousin, who's a fabulous OBGYN, and, you know, he had all the toys, he had all the things, you know, he had the planes and the and the house and all this, but he never had time to enjoy them, mm-hmm. and what I realized is I wanted more, and I chose nursing, so I thought, well, I'll, I'll become a nurse, and if I want to go to medical school later, I always can, I've got time, mm-hmm. and so I went, I transferred in to another university, which is a long story in and of itself, because no one does this, but me being naive and not knowing that no one does this, I just called them up and said, hey, I'm a fifth year senior. I've got two classes left of my uh, major in biology. I want to go to your nursing school. Let me in. That's exactly what I said. I want to transfer to your school. Let me in. And And they're like, well, first you have to be accepted to the university and then they'll accept you in the school of nursing. I said, fine, done. By the way, this is two weeks before the semester started.
0: Oh my gosh, I love your ambition.
1: <laughs> so I sent them my transcripts, did the application. They get all excited. They're like, yeah, we're taking your grades. They're great, blah, blah, blah. And the school of nursing the next week said, yeah, we'll take you. So I my lease was up on my apartment. So I had to pack mm-hmm. everything up that weekend move in with my fiance because he lived in, this, in the city where the university was because I had nowhere else to go <laughs> and get started on nursing school. And my first day in nursing school, when they talked about the art and the science of nursing, I was like, I have found my tribe. Mm. This is where I was meant to be.
0: Wow. How did you know that, Tina?
1: It was instinct. It was intuitive. It, I so resonated with the uh, passion that the mm-hmm. nurses brought to their profession, mm. and it made sense to me because I didn't, I, you know, I didn't want to be the person in and out of the room in five minutes, right? Right. And, and again, it's nothing against my physician colleagues, but I wanted to be able to spend that time to understand how did you get there and how do we get you to a new place. And Mm -hmm. so when I started to to, do research into the different nursing theorists, I realized this is where I was meant to be all along. And that missionary that told me that years ago was actually right. I had a missionary my freshman year, I think like the second or third day I'm on campus. Come up to me and said, God spoke to me and told me to tell you, you'll be a big nurse, you'll be a great nurse, and you'll make a big impact on the field of nursing. And I said, I am not supposed to be a nurse. I'm supposed to be a doctor.
0: <laughs> did you believe what that person had shared with you at that I time?
1: I did not. I'm like, how because I took it, it, you know, um, as a person that's been it kind of counted out a lot of times, you know, it's like, oh, you have those dreams, may, may, maybe it'll come, maybe it won't, you know, uh, sometimes people in your life, mm-hmm. because they haven't moved on, they haven't done big things, they don't see any other people doing it, and so I had some people that were a little discouraging along the way, and, you know, they, they wanted me to be a doctor, that's what I talked about my whole life, I, mm-hmm. you know, I spent time at the medical uh, college, I, you know, I did a summer internship program with them a couple years, worked the lab. I mean, I was all prepared for this. So I wasn't ready to hear that. Mm -hmm. But when I got to that nursing class that day, I remembered that. And I said, if I ever find this missionary, when I get to heaven, I'm going to walk up to them and tell them you were right.
0: Oh, I got goosebumps, girl. So here you are in college.
1: Mm -hmm. You're
0: figuring out that Other people's definition of success is not resonating with you. Mm -hmm. You remember that you heard this message earlier on in your life. And so tell me what's next.
1: So I finished up in nursing school. And I get my first job. I'm working as a nurse. Uh, Became charge nurse the first day out of orientation, but that is a whole other story. Mm. Talk about baptism by fire. So I can really um, empathize with some of these nurses that in the pandemic, they graduated and just immediately thrown on the floor and had to make these tough decisions because that's exactly what happened to me when I graduated. I became, I was on orientation on uh, evening shift Mm -hmm. I was drafted meaning I was told I had to stay and work a night shift and I was charge nurse on night shift so (laughs)
0: wow that's very sudden isn't it
1: yes so I was a night shift charge on a addictions floor with detoxing patients I got three admissions no unit secretary and a um an aide that could barely walk because her knees were so bad and that was my first night as officially as an RN on my own.
0: Tina, I am in awe of your story as I hear about all those challenges with that increased responsibility. My gosh, what was that like for you stepping into that?
1: Terrifying, but my, my, I told my aide, I said, look, We're gonna do what we can. We're gonna keep everybody alive. And after that, the paperwork, we'll get to the paperwork, I'll stay, we'll do that. We'll get some people to come in. I called other floors to help me get the orders in because I'd never had to do it myself before. I mean, it it was insane. But I learned in that moment that I could do this. Wow. And that gave me so much confidence and also a realization of how I do not want to manage. By the way, my manager said, if you need anything, call me. Well, of course I called her and she never answered the phone.
0: Mm, Gosh, you're not alone, Tina. I've heard that story from many people on the front lines, reaching Mm. out for extra support and there not being any extra support.
1: No, no.
0: And so how did you deal with that during your career?
1: I, I learned to, um, it's sort of like a triage, right? Mm-hmm. So I put first things first, patient safety is always the first thing. Mm-hmm. And then once you establish that and you know how to do the first things, first, which is great, my nursing program was awesome in teaching us these things. You, you deal with the things that are life-threatening the things that uh, are immediate, that have to be done, and then everything else you kind of can catch up on later. And so I learned in that situation that when I'm dealing with uh, management in this particular instance, um, to always be flexible because you never know what your day is going to be like and you may have to shift in your priorities. So it may seem like the most important thing is uh, maybe doing uh, some tasks that you have, but it might be getting that person's orders in so you can give them their insulin. It might be getting those vital signs because you're going to have to uh, treat someone because they're detoxing. And so I learned to get to those things that are most important and making sure those things get done and keeping everybody alive. That's our goal. (laughs) You accomplish that, you've won. And so it was in those situations that I learned how to manage and how not to manage. So in my next, job when I became the supervisor of a uh, psychiatric unit on evening shift I learned not how not to be a boss and so my my goal was to treat everyone fair I didn't pick Mm -hmm. favorites I tried to accommodate everyone's needs as much as I can and I tried to reward people for doing well and also having those hard conversations when they did not And so um, I was the one that they would send in to have those conversations sometimes because I, I, you know, they sent me in one time to catch a nurse sleeping on on the unit, Mm -hmm. on night shift. And I said, well, first of all, you guys are doing it wrong. You're announcing that you're coming in. So guess what? Her peers who are complaining about her will wake her up (laughs) and tell her that they're coming. I said, you gotta you gotta be sneaky about this. If you really want to see what's going on, you come in at an off time. You walk in and don't announce yourself and you come through the back door. Don't go through the front door and go to your office. They're going to know you're in the building. So I came through the back door mm-hmm. and came through the little cafeteria and watched her sleep for 15 minutes, kind of like this. Because this is a nurse who's wrapped up in a blanket with her shoes off in front of the TV. She's supposed to be watching these adolescent kids, right?
0: Right.
1: On a psychiatric unit. And she's snoring. Wow. And I, I'm like, so I was coming to kind of catch one of my other um, aides because she was, you know, she was pregnant and she was falling asleep. And so I was just trying to keep her awake. And I was just trying to let her know, hey, we're watching these things they're, because of this other person um, on the unit. And this is something that's been known for a few years. It wasn't like she just started doing it. She was doing this every night.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So I had to call her and said, hey, you guys never told me what you wanted me to do if I caught her. <laughs> and they're like well send her home and uh suspend her and then we'll deal with it with HR in the morning I said okay so I brought her in I said get your stuff and she's like what's going on I said just get your stuff because by that time I came back she was up because it was time to get the kids up and all this stuff I said bring your things get your stuff out your locker come to my office and then she starts crying and said, this is the first time I said, this is not the first time you were wrapped in a blanket with your shoes off. <laughs> you were planning to sleep with a, mm-hmm. a, and a pillow and a blanket. Come on, you're planning to sleep. So I sent her home. Of course, she ends up getting fired, but it's being able to have those hard conversations with people. Wow. And that served me well to do that in management because as a nurse practitioner later on, I had to have those hard conversations with people about their prognosis. Mm-hmm. And so I worked hospice and um, long-term care. And a lot of times I had to tell them, we found cancer, your cancer is advanced. Because for some reason, the oncologist sometimes didn't want to tell them. <laughs> so <laughs> because yeah. they were nursing home patients, so they kind of felt like we should do it. So I'm like, all right, I'll be the one to tell you. Um, because I want you to know, I want you to be able to make decisions for your life going forward. And I don't take away your power of choice. Mm -hmm. So as I was, when I was working that position as a supervisor, um, at one time, I really thought that I wanted to be a a vice president and run the hospital. And it was during that position as a manager that I realized, no, that's not really what I want to do either. Mm-hmm. um so what do I want to do and I love the education piece so I went to grad school mm-hmm. and how I got into grad school was another interesting story oh, dude, sure. um <laughs> I was ta- I'm a parish nurse so that means I, I help nurse and uh, serve as a nurse in the church okay. and so I took a class for parish nursing Um, At the graduate level, because I said, well, let's let me see if I could, you know, go to work full time and go to grad school at the same time. Well, I happened to to know the dean of the school. okay, because I had sat on a committee with her as a student, um, as a baccalaureate student um, with the State Nurses Association. So I was on the committee as a student rep. So she knew me and knew my work. So I show up in the class, and she sees me. She's like, "Oh, you applied to the." And I said, "Oh, my GRE scores are old because in order to get my biology degree, I had to take the GRE and the GRE biology subject test. Which, by the way, I never wanted to take that again. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm never taking the GRE again, let alone the biology subject test. But that's how you passed. I don't know if they still do that, but that's how you pass. You didn't pass your major until you passed that test. That was okay, kind of rough. Um, that's so benchmark." Yeah, mm-hmm. I was like, after, after five years at, at, in this major, and I, I'm the type of person that takes extra classes because I'm curious about stuff. So I ended up with a, a, a bachelor's in biology, a minor in French and a minor in Bible. But anyway, wow. So um, and, and, and my second bachelor's in nursing, I also have a minor in psychology because I ran out of stuff to take. So yeah. I just add extra classes, which which will come to bear in a moment. So anyway, I'm in the class. I do well. She's like, she's no I'm on the fence. So I get this letter in the mail that says, you've been provisionally accepted into the graduate program at the University of Indianapolis. Show up to class on this in the FNP program.
0: Wow. Amazing.
1: (laughs) So that's how I got into grad school. (laughs) And I ended up changing from the FNP program to nursing education. Okay then got my postmasters in uh, GNP because I realized, although I love children, I did not like to treat them. It was terrifying (laughs) to me. And I loved older adults. Mm -hmm. And I really wanted to know what was happening with our seniors. And I was so comfortable being in the nursing home that I actually kind of got a little sad and depressed when that rotation was over. And I thought, what if I could just go visit (laughs) and that's what I realized I said oh you're in the wrong program girl you need to go to geriatrics Mm -hmm. and love it love it and that's where I that's where my love but that's how I got into graduate school
0: I love hearing how you use your intuition to to decide Tina because it sounds to me that any time you're out of alignment it's like you're you get this hit, this intuitive Mm -hmm. hit that says, wait a minute, I could better use my time and energy elsewhere. And so I love how you're listening to your intuition to guide you into those better decisions.
1: You have to trust your instincts. Mm. In in high school, Mm -hmm. I realized I was getting ready to go to college. And back then in my high school in Ohio, you had two tracks. You had vocational and you had college prep. I was in the college prep track, which means that you had access to certain classes. Well, typing was in the vocational track. Mm -hmm. But I didn't know how to type. My mom typed all my papers. (laughs) (laughs) And so I thought, my mother is not going to college with me. Who's going to type my papers if I'm not paying someone to do this? Mm -hmm. So I said, I need to take this typing class so I can learn how to type. I had to go and petition the school and convince my counselor to take typing. And because it interfered with band, and you know, I'm very big in music and have still am, because it interfered with band, I had to drop band for a semester to take typing. Oh,
0: that must My be band good.
1: director was angry. I said, I have to do this. I can't take music right now. I have to do this because my mom's not going with me to type my papers. Now, fast forward to several years, and what are we doing? Everything's electronic typing in computers and everything like that. The other thing is, I this is what typically happens to me, um, because I, I'm very curious, so I'll take a lot of classes, and so I took a lot of classes. I could have graduated in high school in December, but I didn't, so I was running out of stuff to take, so I took radio broadcasting, because I thought, hey, it fits in my schedule, sounds like fun, and So, and I wanted the easy, I'm like, I should have graduated. I could have graduated, but I said, I just want, I like to hang out in school. So um, I said, I'll just get some classes to kind of round out my, you know, portfolio to go to school. And I took broadcasting and I loved it. I got my license, I was, I had a jazz show, I did, uh, had a little crush on my station manager, that didn't hurt either, <laughs> and, and so I took radio broadcasting, and I took that to college my first time, and I had a radio show, um, a gospel show at that point, How exciting. so I did that for a few years, so I actually uh, uh, was a radio DJ for like four years. Um, Lady T. I love it. And so those skills that I learned in broadcasting, I now carry forward. Mm -hmm. And I had this conversation with my mom because my mom, by the way, was in public relations. And so she worked for uh, radio stations and TV stations and things like that, which meant that she never wanted me to go into broadcasting ever. Right. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Okay. Bad he and a singer because she didn't want me to end up on drugs like all the other singers, you know. This, this is my mom, right, <laughs> right? So um I took I had to convince her that it was a good idea for me to take broadcasting because she was just so against it because she was afraid I'd love it, which I did. But fast forward two years later, and I start my uh Facebook live show. Okay. Um as a um my Backstage Professional Services page, and I started it. Because of the pandemic, I wanted a way of giving people information about what was happening with COVID in our in our county and uh, resources and where I found you know places to get PPE. I was doing this for nurses to kind of you know 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 what's happening,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and then it kind of grew from there. And I was telling them about the events that I was having, things like that, and it grew to a weekly news show <laughs> that I do every wow. week <laughs> on nursing and news and topics. So I covered things like the Redonda Vault case. Um, If you're familiar with that, that's the nurse that got prosecuted for making a medication error. And unfortunately that uh, patient did die. Mm -hmm. Um, So I cover cases like that um, on the show and it's become a regular thing, (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) but I wouldn't have felt comfortable to do that if I hadn't had four years of broadcasting. So, you know, God wastes nothing.
0: Right? Oh my gosh, Tina, I am just loving hearing all this about you on your journey. It sounds like your perseverance and your tenacity to follow your heart follows you wherever you go. And so I just want to slow us down for a Mm, moment and take Mm -hmm. us to um, let let us know a little bit about your journey into entrepreneurship, as it sounds like a lot of the lessons you learned along the way were transferable into your entrepreneurial journey. Mm -hmm. So can you share with our audience a little bit about your business, how long you've been in your business and your journey along that along the way?
1: Well, Here's the thing. I was a secret entrepreneur and didn't know it. (laughs) I didn't know it. Oh my gosh. So tell us more about that. When I started, I was a side hustler um, Mm. as a nursing student, just teaching CPR classes right, to make extra cash. So fast forwarded to becoming a nurse practitioner and I was in a time when I was in between jobs and my former mentor and friend was was wanting to start this business where we trained CNA students because it was like the beginning of the recession. People were out of jobs. We were trying to figure out something we could do to give back. I said, I just wanted to leave space so I could have a quiet place to write a book. I really didn't want to become an entrepreneur. But she wrote me in, and I ended up being the COO of the company.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that sounds like, you know, you're highly ambitious. So that that sounds about right.
1: And so for uh, about 10 years or so, we had this business. And I will have to say our students that came through our program have done so well. We've had uh, one of our first students became a nursing home administrator who maintains his CNA license. So if they are short of staff, he can get on the floor and help out. Isn't that amazing? Um, We had one go on to medical school. We've had several become nurses. One uh, went to PA school. She came to my program because her mom worked with me um, in the practice and she wanted to make sure she had some skills that she could work while she uh, studied to be a PA. I think that made her a better PA because you understand some of those things that you have to do and how to deal with the nurses. And so... um, That was wonderful. And that's where I got that little entrepreneurial bug. So I'm like, hey, I really want to do some things. So um, about seven, almost seven years ago now, Mm -hmm. I got a call from an attorney that asked me to sit on a medical review panel. Okay. And so in the state of Indiana, when there's a lawsuit, it goes before the Board of Insurance and they convene a medical review panel to see if they want to uh, proceed with trial. And they get experts together and they review the case and then they'll give their opinion as to whether or not the standard of care had been breached. Mm -hmm. So I was on this panel and then the attorney says, so we have to do your deposition. So what's your fee schedule? Uh, I'm like, uh, (laughs) let me get back to you. I had no idea what a fee schedule should be. So I did some research and then in the middle of this, I get a call from another attorney that I have to give a deposition in and I'm like, okay. So I had to come up with something really quick. And then I took um, a class to help me understand what I was doing as a legal nurse consultant. You know, I, I'm, I'm the type of person that if I'm gonna do something, I'm gonna go all in. So I'm gonna research it, I'm gonna figure it out. When I, So when I launched this business, Uh, My second business, I had read about, I would say, a dozen marketing books, coaching books, consulting books, um, (laughs) attended podcasts, programs. I really wanted to know what I was doing and how to structure things. Mm-hmm. um it's during this time uh with these uh businesses that people were asking me hey you know how do you get a, how do i get my lnc i mean or my llc or how do i start this program i want to start an lp in school i want to start you know i got nurses asking me these questions
0: mm-hmm. and
1: uh it so it grew and i said well you know what last year i said I need to put this in a formal program because I'm getting too many of these questions and the one-on-ones are really hard for me to do uh, with time constraints and so I thought let's formalize it and that's how I came up with the Nurse Shark Academy is from out of the needs that I heard from nurses uh, looking for help and getting their businesses up and started and that Brings me all back to my nursing education background because I'm able to teach nurses um, how to have a successful business on on my own time, on my own terms. Um, I've done the whole thing with academia, um, not my thing. Uh-huh. And I think there needs to be room for that. And and you know, I was in a in a meeting, of course, with a bunch of academics. And and again, I'm not against uh, faculty and, and university work and all that. I'm not against it at all. But I realized that really wasn't for me because it didn't fit my life or the way I like to teach. Uh-huh. Because instead of telling you what to think, I want you to understand what, you know, what you think and argue with me why what you think is right. And so I want you to have those critical thinking skills. And sometimes in academia, you know, instead of making ourselves accessible to the students, we force the students to become accessible to us. Hmm. Uh-huh. And I saw that behavior model time and time again and said, "Eh, I'd rather be in the coaching space. where you're responsible for your learning, right? I provide you the tools. I can help guide you. But ultimately, you're responsible for what you get out of it. And my philosophy is I don't work harder than you do.
0: So if you're willing
1: to work hard, I'll work hard with you. But if you're not willing to work hard, Mm, may, maybe i'm not the coach for you right mm-hmm. and, and, and that's my philosophy but that came from being around mentors and coaches and i'm going to say not all not all the the leadership in my life has been negative because i had some wonderful mentors mm-hmm. um two of them are still mentoring me today even though they don't know it and because as a uh student nurse they brought me in under their wing so um uh, the vice president of um mission at the time at the hospital, brought me in under her wing to show me how to run a program, how to run a nonprofit type program in the hospital. Uh, another nurse supervisor made sure that she included me on the rotation so I get experience on the floor in med surge. These are things that, uh, that I had because of the relationships that I had with people. And I was always willing to learn and, and, and stayed humble. You know, I knew I didn't know everything but I could learn and that's the important thing you may not know everything going in but are you open and willing to learn can you be coached that's an important thing you know if you're uncoachable it's really hard to work with someone who um, isn't open to learning they think they know everything so not 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 to plug it but I did watch the movie Top Gun Top Gun Maverick right it just came out yes yes yeah. And I'm watching this. And of course, I watch everything with a mentor and a coach's eye. And I'm seeing how Maverick is trying to teach his new recruits, right? They were told they were the best of the best, the best of the best. But they didn't have the skills necessary to get that mission done. And the reason why the one character, um, I can't remember his name right off the top of my head, but the one character wasn't picked to be lead in the mission was because he couldn't stay humble hangman and he would leave his wingman. He couldn't be trusted. And so I wanna say this to your listeners, are you able to be coached? And can you be trusted not to leave your wingman? If you're given an assignment, can you carry it out and and be humble enough to listen? And so, That's what kept him from moving forward. He wasn't coachable.
0: Uh Oh, my gosh, Tina. So much of what you said has resonated with me. And specifically, when we talk about entrepreneurship, you know, you mentioned having that trial and error attitude, Mm -hmm. right? As as entrepreneurs, we don't know everything. We get to try new things Mm -hmm. and then take the data from that and work with that.
1: Right. Yeah, it's a scientific method, yes. right? You learn not so much from the successes, but also from the failures. Oh,
0: yes. Say more about that too. Yeah.
1: So um, in starting my business, my second business, I partnered with a couple of companies because I wanted to try new things. And one of them was a good friend of mine. And um, he had a lead on a company that they were going to do allergy testing. No, No, first it was genetic testing for medications. And so my job was to—they were going to enroll these people to do it. Mm-hmm. As a nurse practitioner, I was going to counsel them on why they needed, make sure they met the criteria, get the results, go over the results with them. Well, that kind of unraveled quickly and didn't work out. Then he decided he was going to do allergy testing, and they had to develop this app where you go in, you sign up, you get your allergy test, you get, I send you the swabs, you swab yourself, you send it to the lab, the lab sends back the report, I go over the report with you, I tell you about your, your allergies. Mm -hmm. Well, unfortunately, there were some regulatory things that they didn't know, that kind of kept them from going forward with the project. And so in, in the beta testing, they had to stop. Now, those are two projects that I worked with, and the very beginning of my business, you know, they, act, they hired me and as an independent contractor, I decided to try it. Didn't work out, but that doesn't mean I folded the company. I learned to try something new. So now with the, the data and I look at our financials and where we're going every year, I see where my field of favor as One of my mentors calls it is that's legal nurse consulting and coaching. And so that's where I'm staying. I stay in my field of favor and i
0: favor this is the first time i'm hearing this
1: yes yes that is the field where where you are called to be and where you have the most grace and favor and that's where you find your abundance and many people are leaving their field of favor to go to the shiny object to the to the promise of something and not recognizing that this is where a lot of their favor comes from so I realized early on I need to stay in my lane and where I'm supposed to be and so there are opportunities that are presented to me Mm -hmm. that I may not take because they're not operating in my field of favor and I realized that they are great opportunities but not the best opportunity for me Mm -hmm. so um I was presented with an opportunity to own a a lice removal clinic researched it sounds like a sound business model I looked at we only had two such places in uh Indiana so we would be the third be great but I realized something I don't like head lice that gives me the heebie-jeebies just thinking about it
0: Yes, I find I feel like I'm crawling
1: over here. (laughs) Yeah, I would be miserable doing this every day. However, for someone else, that might be the right opportunity. It was not the right opportunity for me. Mm. You could make money at it. You could have a viable business at it. But it didn't make my heart sing. It wasn't my field of favor. And quite frankly, what do I do best is I coach and talk. (laughs) Mm, mm,
0: I love it. And that's
1: where I stay. You know, I, I, I I do that. That's where I stay. I'm very analytical. I'm the type of person that wants to, to go, when I get a case, I go through it piece by piece Mm -hmm. so that I can understand what happened. So I can paint a picture of what (laughs) happened for the attorney and explain why or not the standard of care was met. And so I go I'm very methodical when I go through these cases. Mm -hmm. And, And and it comes from my background as being a science major. Right. But it also comes from my from my background of curiosity. Because I always wanted to be a detective. I love mysteries. And for me, these are mysteries that need to be solved, you know, puzzles that need to be solved and, and those types of things. So I look at it as kind of a puzzle piece and I recognize patterns, which is actually kind of what my research was um, in, in graduate school, was looking at those patterns uh, that happen in the life of a, a woman. I, my case study was a woman uh, with her experience with addiction to alcohol. Mm-hmm and how they were uh, looking at the other literature and identifying those patterns that we see common to women experiencing addiction. And so one of those patterns that emerged was a, a lot of disruption in family relationships. Mm-hmm. And so when you look at those patterns, then how do you then help uh, alleviate and address some of those things? Mm-hmm. What can we do as a society to help? And so those, so, those are the things that I did in my research. So, when I look at a case, it's again looking for those patterns of, you know, did this seem to be a pattern of, of mistakes and mistakes that they did, like in the Vanderbilt case, where they were consistently overriding their uh, PIXIS system, which means they, instead of, you know, putting in the medication and pulling out what they were supposed to, if it said, oh, there's an error, they would override it and pull it out anyway. Because there were systems error in this um, with the facility. So I look for those things. And so that, that's kind of what I do as a legal nurse consultant, which all falls back into, you know, all the different things that I've done in my life
0: uh-huh. for,
1: being a, for being a lab tech, uh, pharmacy tech for a while. Um, I slung beer at the racetrack. <laughs> I was a waitress, made sandwiches. By the way, they always loved it when I made the sandwiches because they were very precise and uh full of food. Um, Yeah.
0: Yes, I, I, Tina, yeah. I, I totally know now why we're kindred spirits. The more <laughs> I hear about you and your background and your logical thinking and your patterned, you know, the way you discover patterns really speaks to me, as I am a deeply ingrained patterned learner. So I know all about those patterns. And in fact, um, I just want to keep us here for a minute. And I want to talk about how, you know, we've all had obstacles in our lives and those dark moments. And I'm curious to know, Um, What challenges you've had to come across on your entrepreneurial journey?
1: I think one of the biggest challenges I had to face was Mm. self-doubt. That voice in the back of your head that says, you're not good enough. (laughs) Mm. Um, Who are you kidding? You know, that imposter syndrome. Um, Nobody's going to listen to you. And I really had to work through that and realize that the people that I idolize, the people that I look up to started where I'm starting, right? Mm -hmm. And when I started, I I wasn't sure um, about anything. In fact, it took me a while to own some of those titles. I just talked about that on my show uh, this past week, where I looked up and someone told me I was a social media influencer. And I'm like, I am? (laughs) The news to me. I'm glad you told me. (laughs) And then someone said, I've been enjoying your podcast. And I'm like, oh, you mean the live show where I just go live and just talk? (laughs) I'm like, oh, yeah, I guess. Okay. Um, And so I... Those labels and things like that, those titles, it doesn't occur to me sometimes. And I think that's what happens is we don't realize we're doing the thing until we're doing the thing. Mm-hmm. And then someone tell, tell us, oh, it's great that you're doing these things." So I started adding things. When I first came a legal nurse consultant, I was kind of nervous about calling myself that. And now it's become part of my identity because I realize I'm doing the thing after being several cases in, six years in, I'm like, yeah, I, this, I am. You know, but it it takes us a while to get to that. So that mindset shift, I had to do a lot of inner healing and a lot of inner work.
0: Mm, So speak to that. What were some of the things that you had to do? What are some of the steps that you took to overcome those challenges?
1: One of the biggest things is to realize that I have my own race to run and I can't compare myself to anyone else. (sighs) I, well, I, have, I have a good friend mm-hmm. and I realized we had gotten to, we were business partners. So we kind of got into this weird competition thing. And I didn't know where this was coming from. And I'm like, what? what's happening? Because we're very strong-willed. We're a lot alike, but we're different in, so, in some very significant ways. And so I realized that some of this was coming from her insecurity. And it's also triggering the insecurity in me because I'm, I'm the type of person that I'm like, Let's go, team! Rah rah! We're, you know, everybody's pulling together. Um, if one of us succeeds, we all succeed. You know, that's my mindset. But yet, um, this person had a mindset of, "Well, you're out in front. People aren't seeing me. I'm supposed to be the one in charge." You know, and I and I realized that. I said, "Well, where was this coming from?" And so I was in a group um, with my uh, coaching group. They're they're helping me because I have mentors and coaches. And so one of them said, you know, there's no competition in the kingdom.
0: Say that again. There's,
1: there's no, comp- no competition in the kingdom. Mm. And I said, you're so right. I said, we all have our, our lanes. And so when I found myself getting into a very negative space, mm-hmm. I started to turn off those things that were affecting me negatively and getting around and surrounding myself with more positive things. So I started listening to more positive uh, podcasts. I made sure I didn't watch the news 24 um, seven. I really focused on the positive things that were happening in my life, even though other challenges were happening at the same time. Um, so we're in the process of closing the other business down uh, because my partners had decided they wanted to retire. Um, I, my husband's health, you know, wasn't that great and still isn't but he's doing much better um and so we had all those challenges and things going on my parents were getting older um I had switched jobs during this time as well so I'd gone to this uh, new job which was great for me at the time um (laughs) but it was a lot of change and I and I purposely leaned into it instead of running away from it I purposely leaned into it and embraced it I knew that this was a season of my life and I was going to go through this season
0: Mm. wow I think that's a message that many of the listeners of this podcast will resonate with as so often we fear um, things that are well often the things that we fear don't come to fruition And so when we're left to our own thoughts and the fear, things that we fear, sometimes those fears grow and Mm -hmm. grow within us and we become paralyzed to take any action. And when we talk to someone else, whether that be through a coaching relationship or through a friendship, that's when we hear different perspectives and we kind of open up to these new ideas that we get to make different Mm -hmm. choices, right?
1: Exactly. Fear is false expectations appearing real.
0: Ooh, I love that girl. Say more.
1: Yes. Most of the time, the thing that we fear hasn't been manifested. Mm, But we may call those things into existence. If you're going to constantly think about something, you're going to uh, gradually grow into that direction. So it's your, your intention. And so I intentionally focus on the positive and not focus on the negative. Mm -hmm. I intentionally did, did something for, for me. So I realized I, my world was very small at this time. Mm -hmm. All I was seeing was the negativity because around me were negative things. And so my world was small and I wanted to learn more about business and entrepreneurship and expanding my, my world. And so I purposely went out to meet up groups and networking events with the sole purpose of just talking to three people. Mm. I, I am very introverted. It may not seem like it here, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm usually very introverted. <laughs> and so it took me a while to talk to people one-on-one, like give me in front of a group, I'm fine. Put me in one-on-one on people. Sometimes I get nervous. Unless There's a a a purpose, you know. I know what I'm supposed to say, and so I started going to these groups. And one was a women's group that met every every month, and we would have breakfast, and then they would talk about things. And that's how I ended up getting part of Pass the Torch, uh, which is a women's mentorship group, and I'm a, a, a mentor with Pass the Torch. But I started going, and all I wanted to do was just meet people and find out what their story was. That's all. That was my assignment. I just had to do three. And then I can go home and like, whew, I accomplished that. I need to, you know, sit down and, and meditate for a minute.
0: <laughs> <laughs> reground myself. Yes.
1: But right. now I find myself really energized. And so the, the, this is the crazy thing that happened in COVID. Yes. COVID happened. And I thought, oh, no, all these groups that I went to and all this stuff and I was doing is gone. We're not meeting. I don't know what to do. And then everybody started getting those Zooms. And then I started having a lot more one-to-ones with people and really getting mm-hmm. to know them. And I started attending these networking events on Zoom and doing these quick connects and uh, speed networking and all this so that I could ha- later have these conversations. So now I attend these things and I want to get to know people, build relationships, because I realized that's basically how everything worked in my life anyway. I mean, if you think about it, going to grad school, going to undergrad, it was all because I built relationships with people. And, you know, I'm just crazy enough to say, hey, let me in. (laughs) And it worked. (laughs) Because I didn't know any better.
0: we need more Tina's in the world. We really do.
1: My parents were wonderful. They always told me I could do anything and I believed them. So I just figured if I decide that's what I want to do, that's what I'm going to do. Right. And, um, it just never occurred to me how hard and difficult it was for people to get into nursing school, but for me to just say, let me in. And they did because wow. that was my intention. You know, that was my prayer. Um, I needed to go in to nursing school. I wanted to be an RN. I didn't want to fool around with it. I'm like, if you're going to do it, do it. So I decided I was going to be an RN. And I was a great three years of my life. Yeah, I was a a sophomore, came in as a sophomore in the School of Nursing, Uh, ended up with two bachelor's degrees, um, a master's degree and a post-master's at the end of this. And uh, hopefully soon we'll be going back for my doctorate. Oh, Um, gosh, outstanding. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm the type of person that I always remain curious. There's always something new to learn. Um, I like to be around people and ideas and great ideas. If, if it paid more, I probably would have been a philosophy major. I don't know. <laughs> because right. I can sit around and think all day. And, yes. and, but it, it's it served me well. I, you know, I started writing and, you know, teaching and coaching, and I, I've written um, certifications tests and stuff like that. I've written a whole program for certification for a company. It was great. You know, I, I, I love doing those types of things. Yeah. Uh, and I'm the type of person that likes variety. So if you're listening and you're an entrepreneur and you're like me and you like variety, I don't just do one thing because I would get bored really quickly.
0: Right, so would you
1: consider yourself a serial entrepreneur then? I like this term, a friend of, a friend of mine told me that I am a multi-passionate Ooh, entrepreneur. God, and I, 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 I grabbed onto that one because it's true. Yes. But here's the thing, mm-hmm. with your passions, with your entrepreneurial journey, you have to have a center, you have to have a core. There has to be something that everything ties together and makes sense. And so, for me, I learned that the the legal nurse consulting and the legal plans that I offer and the and the teaching, the coaching, they all come from the same place. And so, it all flows. And when I try to add things that disrupts that harmony and is not flowing, then I know that that's probably not right for me because that's kind of, you know, I had someone ask me um, yesterday to sit on his advisory board for his. Um, mission mission in india Mm -hmm. you know probably very worthwhile Mm -hmm. but i realized having worked with this person before they can be very draining Mm. of your time right um you have to be careful about energy vampires (laughs) there are people that will cling to you and drain and suck all your energy out. And that what was happening in a couple of those relationships. And when I realized that, I set up boundaries. So when I set up boundaries, that's when some of the conflicts started happening because I'm like, no, we're supposed to meet at noon. It is now two. I have something else on my agenda. We are not meeting today. You know, mm-hmm. it's those types of things, setting and establishing those boundaries sometimes. But you have to make sure that you stay on mission. You stay on target. And so my mission is to help people and to help them be the best selves. So I want to get you back to optimal health. And for me, health isn't just your physical health, but it's your spiritual health. It's your mental health. It's all those components of you. I want you to be the best you. And everything that I do flows from that. And if there's something that I'm asked to do and it kind of bumps into that and it's not meeting that mission, then I learn to say no. It's the same way with employment. Having worked in several different places, um, there was one company in particular that mm-hmm. their practices um, were, in sometimes very unethical. Okay. And on occasion, bordering illegal. Hmm. And it did not sit well with me. And I had to go to prayer every week while I worked there because I was so afraid that they were going to come knocking on my door and ask me questions. And I'm the type of person, if you ask me, I'm going to tell you honestly. So I told them, I don't go to jail for anybody but Jesus. So I'm going to squeal like a pig if they ask me. And and so in the middle of all this, um, we decided to part ways. <laughs> and... <laughs> I was offered a severance package and I met with my attorney and I took it. Mm -hmm. The best thing about this was they paid me to start my own business and didn't even know it. (laughs) as God of that. They paid me to start my own business. It was right at that time when I had that transition that we started our first business um, with the CNA training school. And it was because I didn't have to work because they were paying me severance. So I went ahead and started a business. You talk about t- turning lemonades into li- uh, lemons into lemonade. Right. And so I, I look at that and I said, you may have, you know, you meant it for my harm, but God meant it for my good. Mm. And I believe that it was a painful experience at the time. Mm-hmm. But I also knew that that company was not the right place for me. Mm-hmm. I knew that some of the practices that they had just did not sit well with me, and, and I I couldn't lie and I couldn't cheat, and because I couldn't lie, and couldn't cheat. We had to part ways, right? And, and so we did. On a and now, interesting enough, mm-hmm. I still talk to some of those folks, and I talked to the founder up until you know she died and all this stuff, um, mm-hmm. but. I still have good friends from right. that place, but I knew that was an unhealthy environment for me.
0: Right. And again, it just lends itself to how you are so in tune in, with your intuition. Your, you know, your spidey senses were tingling. Yes. <laughs> and then just letting you know, no, 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 no. This is crossing all kinds of boundaries for me. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to compromise who I am to benefit you. Precisely right. Tina, you have dropped so much wisdom on us today. You know, you talked about how being an entrepreneur involves that trial and error. Mm -hmm. You talked about how you go all in as an entrepreneur. You talked about how as an entrepreneur, there's that do it yourself, right? You tap into podcasts, you tap into other books, you get the coaching from a business coach, you, you find a mentor, you surround yourself with positive people. And so I feel that you have provided such a value to our listeners today. And just before we wrap up today, Tina, I have one more question for you. Mm -hmm. And that is, what is your favorite self-care practice?
1: I go to my spa and Mm -hmm. I get my hair done, which I just did yesterday, get my nails done, get a pedicure. And on those days, I try very hard not to do any work I used to I used to have this before they closed down um Mm -hmm. I had a spa where I would get a full body massage the whole nine. Um, and so I learned to do that art of self-care and I love to just take that day away and then um, sometimes I just schedule a day for thinking I don't do anything else but think it's my thinking day I don't when do we do that yeah It's my thinking that I have to have those. um, Every now and then, I need a day where I just think. Um, One of my favorite vacations, this is Mm pre-pandemic, but when the Marvel movie Endgame was coming out, right, that summer at our local movie theater, they had a Marvel um, festival. And so they showed every movie in sequence of all the Marvel movies. And so you could buy this special pass and go and watch all the movies. So I had a week off vacation. So we took our entire week and spent the theater every day watching Marvel movies. Of
0: course you did.
1: <laughs> and I'm watching these movies over and over, the movies that I love. And as I'm thinking and watching these, ideas start flowing. My creativity starts kicking in. I, and that's where I kind of got the idea for the nurse shark. I was like, oh, and then I thought, oh, yeah, nurses are heroes and we're all on our epic journey. And I started writing that book, which is not finished yet, but I started writing a book about being a nurse and your epic journey. And then, then I started, oh, the nurse shark. And then it, it, all this stuff started flowing because I took mm. two weeks off, or, or well, a week off to just sit there and, and watch a movie and just let my mind rest. And then all the creativity started coming. Mm. Um, so, you know, I, I am a nerd. Very happy to be called a nerd, right? I know I'm a nerd. Um, I am too. Tell. Yeah, <laughs> I like to talk DC and Marvel all day. In fact, I uh, I had a one on one with someone uh, a few a few months ago, and he and I were talking, and we were supposed to talk about something about business, and I forget what we were supposed to talk about now. But it's somehow or another we got on to the conversation of Marvel Comics and DC Comics. And the rest of the conversation, that's what we talked about. is
0: <laughs> history. You two <laughs> made history. Like,
1: we spent an hour just talking about the different genre and what it meant growing up with those things. Because it the comics are a way of showing you possibilities. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we got to talking about how that impacted our lives. So I was like, yeah, my nerd credit is showing. <laughs> nothing wrong with doing your research right? <laughs> yeah so my husband and I were having this conversation I said you know the movie Morbius could have been great if they had set it up so that he could go and meet Blade later on because you know there was a crossover and I'm just talking about that he's like really I said yeah there's a crossover in the comics where Blade was there and Morbius was there and then, and then there was a I talked to my hairdresser yesterday and we were talking about that and I was pitching this idea of taking the 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 movies further and she's like why don't you submit it you need to be writing for this, right
0: <laughs> another side hustle for you girl I
1: live my life in a fantasy world anyway <laughs> <laughs> I had already decided how I would save Iron Man I would bring his daughter back um I have a whole storyline for her actually whole whole other storyline for her, wow. to bring her back, to save her dad, to give him a body like they did with uh, that uh, scientist, right? They put him in all those computers, if you know the movies. Sorry, I should say spoiler alert for people who haven't watched it. <laughs> but anyway, um, and that's like, take it make a body-like vision, and Ultron and put his brain in there, and I think that was a storyline at one time, and I was like, and I, and I figured out how they could do it, preserve him, and they would bring, they would bring Deadpool in, you know, he would help a little bit, and I had this whole thing worked out, and so I said, man, this would be awesome, and I was telling my friend this, she's like, I want to see your movie.
0: Right? I was just thinking to myself, gee, I can't wait to see that someday, because if there's anything I know about you, Tina... You will make it happen, girl.
1: <laughs> I said, Well, my cousin's a graphic artist. I said, we could I could give him a storyline and he could just do it and we could have that graphic novel out in a heartbeat. Of course, you get licensing though.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, if there's a way, Tina will find it. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Gosh, I love your enthusiasm. I want to thank you so much for this genuine conversation today. I think that our listeners have lots to chew on. I hope they have a pen and paper handy when they're listening to this episode because you dropped such wisdom on us today, Tina. I want to thank you again for taking time out of your busy schedule to sit with us today and to share a genuine conversation. Thank
1: you. Thank you.